Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. And this evening on page 236, we're going to start with the Navarnavidi. And Atha Navarnavidi means, and now, presenting, da dum da dum, the system of worship with the nine lettered mantra. So, Navarna, Nava, Arna, the nine letters, and uh, Nava, Barna is the nine letters, and Vidi is the system of worship. So, that's pretty clear. Now we get to study that. Sri Ganapatir Jayati, may the Lord of Wisdom be victorious. Om, presenting the highly efficacious mantra of nine letters, the lords of creation, preservation, and destruction are the seers. Gayatri Yushtakananishtup, 24, 28, and 32 syllables to the verse are the meters. And interesting, Gayatri is the chanda, it's the meter of the morning sunrise. And Ushnik is the meter of midday. And uh, Anushtup is the meter of Shayan or, or Sandhya, uh, the, the evening. And it means that uh, with Gayatri Chanda, we're giving birth to a new creation. And with Ushtik Chanda, we're presenting the circumstances of all beings. And with Anushtup Chanda, we're letting everyone come back to a state of rest. So we have a marine claim with Gayatri Ushtuk and Anushtuk Chandos. So there, in fact, as we study this Navarna Vidi and these nine-lettered mantra, we're going to find that there are a lot of correspondences between all of the threes. Uh, the Kamkala that we talked about in the beginning, the unity of all the threes, Auma, Emrim, Kling, Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwar, Mahakali, Mahalakshmi, Mahasaraswa, everybody is involved, Sattva, Rajatama, all the gunas, all the attributes, all the qualities. How about Auma? Yes, Om, the three letters of Om. There are so many of the threes that are included. So here again we have Gayatri and Ushtuk and Anushtuk Chandos are the meters. So you've got creation, preservation, transformation. It's the rhythm of life. The great remover of darkness, Mahakali, the great goddess of true wealth, Mahalakshmi, and the great goddess of all-pervading knowledge are the deities. Aim is the seed. So we have uh, uh, creation and wisdom and guru and Saraswati as the beach. There, she's the. What are we planting here? What are we cultivating? We're cultivating this wisdom. Interesting. Aim. If you suggest it's a declinable. All means creation, and E means the subtle, uh, the causal body, and Anaswar means the sound of an atom or perfection. So the, the creation of the causal body or the manifestation of the causal body and perfection is wisdom, and that's Saraswati. And remember, Sara is the ocean, and Swa is my own, and T is the personification. So the personification of one's own ocean of knowledge and experience, nam and rup, what we call the sansar, the, the sara, the ocean of some, all. The ocean of all is the samsara, and this is the, what gives birth to the manifestation of the causal body and perfection. So, Saraswati is the, the goddess whose beaches aim. And that's the seed. Hreem is the energy we've talked about. Hreem so many times. In fact, she is Hrileka, the, the bija of Hreem, the manifestation of Hreem, the like Omkar is the manifestation of Om. She is Hreem, Hrileka. And, uh, and she is the energy. 
Remember, ha means the gross body, what you can perceive through the senses. Ra means the subtle body, what you can conceive in your mind. E means the causal body, what you know through intuition or, or meditation. And anuswar means perfection, beyond. Everything you can see through the senses, conceive in the mind, feel through your feelings and your intuition and meditation and beyond is Hreem. And that's the energy. Kleem is the pin. Kokkara iti karandeho. Ka is the first cause. La karasdula dehasyan. I kara karanama. So, Clean bija is this is shampoo. This true wealth is the cause of bringing the manifested existence into the causal body in perfection. We're breaking this causal body, the cause of bringing manifested existence, that's the gross body, into the E, which is the causal body, and beyond into perfection is clean. So she is the cause which dissolves all of manifested existence into the causal body and then takes that causal body into unmanifest existence, into perfection. And that's Kali. And remember, Kal means darkness, and Kali takes away the darkness, which is why she's dark, and Kal means time, and Kali means the cause of time, so that's why she is who is beyond time, and so we have her as the great remover of darkness, or she who is beyond all time, and she is the pin. And remember the pin. The, the pin is what we call like a deadbolt lock. Uh, so the doors to the secret of the goddess are very well protected. There's an argal, which is like a seacull. Uh, we take a chain and we put it over a hook and we put the lock through the eye and you can't pull the doors open because it's chained. It's like a security latch. And then there's a deadbolt lock, which is, what would you call a deadbolt lock? It's a deadbolt, it's an argal. And the argal latches the door shut. And then you've got the key the, the, that you stick in, which is the Siddha Kunjika Stotram, is the key, the key to manifesting perfection. Siddha Kunjika Stotram, the song of the, the, manifest, the key to the manifestation of perfection. So, claim uh, uh, is the pin for the satisfaction of the great remover of darkness, Mahakali, the great goddess of true wealth, Mahalakshmi, who is also the great goal or the great definition, and the great goddess of all pervading knowledge, Mahasaraswati. This system is applied in recitation, and that's why we are doing this, and this is the Bini Yoga. What is the application of these mantras? Why are we doing, why are we learning this? What's the purpose of your visit here? Why are you studying this material? And that's exactly why. For the satisfaction of the great goddesses and for understanding how you open a door and for understanding how you plant your field and what do you want to plant in it and what are the crops that will grow in this season and how much water do you have to give them. Gosh, somebody watered the flowers today and they're all smiling. So that's the purpose. Now, Rishyadi Nyas, Nyas means to establish within, and Rishi Adi, Rishyadi, Adi means etc. And the, the establish, establishment of the seers, etc. Ityadi, Bivinyadi, etc., etc. We are establishing those seers within. So, on the top of my head, I bow to the seers, the lords of creation, preservation, and destruction, transformation, as you like to term it, uh, to Brahma, Vishnu, and Shivadi, uh, Rudra, Rishadi. And we're calling R Rudra Rishibyo. Rishibyo is more than two. Remember in Sanskrit there's singular, dual, and plural, which is more than two. S singular, dual, and anything more than two is plural. 
So, uh, we're, we're the Rishi Bhyo, and we're saying that Brahma, Vishnu, and Rudra are the Rishis of this mantra, who incidentally gave forth the mantras of their spouses and their shaktis, Mahakali, Mahalakshmi, Mahasaraswati. So Brahma gave forth the mantra of Saraswati, and Vishnu the mantra of Lakshmi, and Rudra the mantra of Kali, and they are the seers of the Rishis of this him and we bow to them and let our heads be filled with the illumination of Brahma, Vishnu, and Rudra. Mm -hmm. Gayatri Ushnuk Anastupachandu Bhyo Namaha. And I bow to the meters, Gayatri Ushnuk and Anastup, in my heart. Or oh, in my mouth. Yes. In my mouth. And those are the, the meters of the beginning, the middle, and the end, the, the start of the, the process, the middle of the process, and the culmination, the termination of the process. They are the meters that keep on giving. They just keep flowing. And then Mahakali, Malakshmi, Mahasaraswati, Devitabhyo, Namahai, my heart. I bow to the deities, the remover of darkness, the great goddess of true wealth, and the great goddess of all pervading knowledge in my heart. In Vijaya in my butt, the seed is in my backside. And that's where all the wisdom comes from because I can sit on my wisdom. I do that anyway. Every now and then it comes out a little bit, but most of the time I'm just sitting on it. Hring Shaktagenamo in my feet. Hring is the energy which is located in my feet, and claim is the pin which is located in my navel. Omeng Ring Kling Chamundai Piche. And remember, that's a very important mantra to us. Om the infinite beyond conception. Aing creation, Mahasaraswati, wisdom, knowledge. Brahma, Guru, they all come with aim. Rim is all of Maya, all of creation, all of this manifest existence. Kling is the cause of dissolving this manifested existence back into the causal body. Cha means to move. Munda in the head or the paradigm of reality. All that I know, Vichche. Vich means the samvit, all that is knowable. And che means chaitanya, consciousness, perceives. All that is knowable as the constant transformation of Mahasaraswati, Mahalakshmi, Mahakali, dancing on the stage of consciousness. Now, the issue arises, am I the dancer or am I the audience? If I think I'm dancing, I experience pleasure and pain and suk and duk, and I go through all the steps that she goes through. And if I perceive myself to be the witness, then I get to be the audience and watch her dance. And that's the meaning of the mantra. You choose. Do you want to be the audience watching her dance? Or do you want to identify yourself as the dancer? If you choose to watch her dance, then she makes you a rishi. She makes you a seer. She makes you a sage. She uh, empowers you with the attitude that I am not the doer. I am the instrument of doing being done. Now we're going to establish her mantras in our fingers. And the reason we do this in the hands, uh, these are her hands, because I'm not the doer. So these are her hands, and everything I touch is touched by mantra, with a mantra, for the edification of mantra, and the fruit of that karma goes to my guru and to my goddess. So, I bow to aim in the thumb, and I establish it here in the thumb. 
Reem in the forefinger, and I establish it in the forefinger. And so what happens is when you establish it in the thumb, the, the energy goes from the pointer finger into the thumb. And when you establish it in the forefinger, the energy goes from the thumb into the forefinger. But you know what you're doing. <laughs> it's not a question of correctness. It's a question, you know what's happening. You're empowering your fingers to touch everything by mantra. Because I've established a mantra here, so everything this touches has got a mantra in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to think the mantra or say the mantra every time I touch something. And then I'm touching it by mantra, with mantra, for mantra, and the fruits of that karma go to my guru and my god. Kling madamadyamboshat, I bought a kling in the middle finger. A chamundai, anamikabyam, whom I bow to chamunda in the ring finger, cut the ego. Uh, oh, so we have uh, in the, in the uh, thumb, we're going to bow, and in the four fingers, we're going to unite with God. I am one with God. In the middle fingers, we're going to purify. And in the uh, ring fingers, we're going to cut the ego. And in the baby finger, the little finger, vitche, it's the sum bit perceived by Chaitanya. It's the all that is knowable perceived by consciousness, uh, the ultimate purity. And I roll my hands forward and backwards and cut. And it means coming and going and forwards and backwards. I belong to you. You can't take the me out of you or you can't take the you out of my karma. Everything I do, whether I do it forwards, whether I do it backwards, and I do a lot of things that ask backwards, they say, and I do because aparada sahasrani, I make so many mistakes. So forwards and backwards and every way possible. This is all the manifestation of my love for you. But I have, but actually it's indeclinable, but it stands for the weapon of virtue. The purity, the clarity, the sincerity, which makes a, a virtuous me striving to manifest the greatest purity, clarity, efficiency in every action that I am performing, that is the weapon of virtue. And that's in the heart, etc. <laughs> So it's also called charanganyas because the the six limbs of the body. Uh, so we start with ang, I bow to in the heart. I bow to rim on the top of the head. I am one with God. We bow to clean on the back of the head, purify. We bow to chamunda as a kabach. Crossing both arms, I cut the ego, I am protected. I've got Chamunda is my protection. I've got this kawach. Nobody else's vibration can permeate my armor. I am protected. I'm not going to assume anyone else's vibration. I'm going to take it all into myself. And that is my, my protection. My protective armor. And Vichye Netra I bow to the, the consciousness of the Sambit. All that can be known is perceived by consciousness in my three eyes. That is the ultimate purity. That is the vision with which I want to perceive this universe. Everything in the universe is a reflection of the consciousness of total uh, knowledge, of understanding, of intuitive cognition. I bow to that consciousness of infinite goodness, that samvit, that consciousness of all that is knowable, moving in the paradigm of reality, rolling my hands forwards and backwards and with the weapon of virtue.
That's my purpose. That's my process. Now, let's establish the letters of the mantra uh, all throughout my body. Oh, I bow to aim on the top of the head. And I bow to cream in the right eye. And I'm about to clean in the left eye, and I'm about to chum in the right ear, and I'm about to moom in the left ear, I'm about to dong on the right nostril, and to yay on the left nostril, to bing on the mouth, and chang and the anus. And now I've got aim, ring, clean, cha, moon, da, ye, bit, che. And that is our the letters reside in me. The syllables reside in me. The goddesses reside in me. The rishis reside in me. The chumbles, the meters reside in me. And my life becomes a manifestation of mantra. Now we're going to bow in the directions. And... We're going to establish the letters in every direction so that everywhere we look, there's another manifestation of the goddess. In fact, there's nowhere where she is not. Remember the sadhu who is uh, sitting in the temple with his feet pointed towards Lord Shiva. And the pujari came and got very mad with him and he said, don't show disrespect to Shiva. You don't point your feet at the murti. And the sadhu said to him, you please show me where Shiva is not, and I'll point my feet in that direction. When we establish the letters of the mantra in every direction, then there's nowhere she is not. It, she's everywhere. You are everywhere. Mom means so many songs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, aim, om, aim, udichayinama, I bow to aim in the north, and om, ring, prachayinama, I bow to ring in the east, om, kling, dachinayinama, I bow to claim in the south, om, chamundai, pratichayinama, I bow to chamundai in the, in the west, om, vichay, vayabhinama, I bow to vichay in the south, uh, west. Uh, no, in the northwest. Yeah, northwest. And then I bow to aim in the northeast, and I bow to aim in the southeast. I bow to claim in the southwest. I bow to Chamunda looking up, and I bow to Biche looking down. And oh, Chamunda Biche. There is nowhere where you are not. You are everywhere. Every letter is everywhere. But I have you in all the directions and you're surrounding me wherever I go. I have you as a kavach. You are the armor on the outside of my body. I have you established within the chakras and within the limbs and within the... Hey, you get around. Now that's a good friend to have. Now let's describe her forms in meditation. Uh, we'll begin with Mahakali, bearing in her ten hands the sword of worship, the discus of revolving time, the club of articulation. That means every time you say a mantra, you hit an asura over the head with a club. That's articulation of mantras. Uh, so you've got worship, and you've got patience, and you've got these mantras bashing those asuras over the head. As, as you sit there trying to say the mantra, the Yashura is going to say, Hey, what are you trying to do here anyway? Are you trying to put an end to me? Where will you be without an ego? Where will you be without thoughts? You'll be quite thoughtless. You'll be useless. Don't do that. So he hit him over the head. The bow of determination, you take a sudden culpa and you aim at your glaksha, at your goal, and you take that bow of sudden culpa and the iron bar of restraint, the prig, and the, the pike of attention, the sling or the net of unity, the head of egotism, and the conchable vibrations. She has three eyes and 
actually she's got three eyes on each of her faces and she's got ten heads. <laughs> so she's got, do the math please. Thirty eyes! <laughs> right, but she's got three eyes and displays ornaments on all her limbs. Shining like a blue gem, she has ten faces. Great souls seldom disagree. She has ten faces with three eyes on each face, and she looks like a blue gem. I worship that great remover of darkness whom the lotus-born co creative capacity praised in order to slay too much and too little when the supreme consciousness was in sleep. So please remember in chapter 1, uh, Vishnu was in sleep, Brahma was sitting in the lotus in the stem that came out of his navel, Madhu and Koitaba, too much and too little, came out of the dirt from his ears. They said, hey old man, that looks like a really nice place to sit. You get out of that lotus, we're going to sit there and take command of the three worlds. Everyone will be a servant of too much and too little. Everyone, no matter what they do, they're going to think, I don't have enough. I should get some more. Or they're going to think, I've got too much. I'm going to get rid of some. Uh, everybody is going to be jumping because of us, and we're going to keep this world rocking. We'll keep it. Everyone should be involved. They should all be engaged. Uh, so uh, Brahma said, Vishnu, wake up. I, I'm an old man. I can't fight with these Asuras. Uh, Vishnu was sleeping. He didn't hear. He was in Yoga Nidra. He was in the sleep of mystical communion. So Brahma sang that hymn to Mahakali. And he said, Tvam Swaha, Tvam Swada, Tvam Hi, Pashakara Swaratmika. And Mahakali said, wow, what a beautiful song you're singing. What do you want? And he said, please wake up Vishnu and tell him to fight with these Asuras. I'm an old man. I'm tired. I'm just hanging out in my own lotus. Uh, why don't you wake him up? And Kali said, okay. And she came out from Vishnu and she woke him up. And when Vishnu saw too much and too little standing there ready to devour the creative capacity, he said, okay, I better protect Brahma, because otherwise I'm going to have to take over his job too. <laughs> so he fought with them. For 60,000 years he fought with them. And then he, he defeated so that was the discussion or the description of Mahakali, who is uh, the goddess of the first charitra or the first uh, chapter, uh, the first episode, which is uh, the, the rise of Mahakali. Now, she with a beautiful face, this girl over here, this one too, the destroyer of the great ego, she's quite a girl, is seated upon the lotus of peace in her hands, she holds a rosary of alphabets. That's her Akshar Mala. Uh, she has a mala, and each bead on the mala represents one letter, and there are 54 letters of evolution, there are 54 letters of involution, there are 108 beads, 108 steps of manifesting every vibration for every object which has a name, which can come into existence and go out of existence. And then for 109 is the guru, or Brahma, or the, the main bead, which you never want to cross. So she's holding this rosary of alphabets, which she's doing continuous job. She's got the battle axe of good actions. She's got this, uh, uh, this uh, parshu, which she is always cutting down all the bad actions, and she's doing good actions with it. Uh, the club of articulation, she's hitting those assurances over the head with her mantras. The arrow of speech, and she says good things. Uh, and it cuts right through all the nonsense that we're constantly listening to. Uh, the thunderbolt of illumination. The lotus of peace, the bow of determination. She's got that sankalpa which she takes aim and she says, okay, wake up. You can't sleep there. You have to get up and fulfill the objective of your sankalpa. 
She has the water pot of purification, and she does all be shook, and she sprinkles that water on all those gods and goddesses, all the devotees. She's got the staff of discipline and energy and the sword of worship, the shield of faith, the conch of vibrations, the bell of continuous tone, which gives you one constant vibration, and the wine cup of joy, the pike of concentration, the net of unity, and the discus of revolving time, named Excellent Intuitive Vision. <laughs> That's his name. Mr. Discus, my patience is guided by the Excellent Intuitive Vision. I worship that great goddess of true wealth. Now that's the goddess that's worthy of worship. She's got the true wealth. She is the laksha. She is the goal. What your goal is, is what you think about. And what you think about is what you value. And what you value is your wealth. And in that sense, she is the goddess of true wealth. Maha Lakshmi. It's just a very, very modern phenomena that she came to sit over the cash register in every Gujarati grocery store. But actually, she was not the goddess of, uh, of only the, the, the revenues that came into the business. She was the goddess of all your goals and all your aspirations, of all your luxury. Bearing in her lotus hands the bell of continuous tone, the pike of concentration, the plow, sowing the seeds of the way of truth to wisdom. It's this plow, the hull that's making, it's cultivating dharma, the ideals of perfection, the ways of truth to achieve the highest wisdom. The conch of vibrations, the pestle of refinement. She puts us in this mortar and pestle and she, she smashes us until we are refined. And she churned and She makes us into a fine paste, totally refined. Uh, whose radiance is like the autumn, the moon in autumn whose appearance is most beautiful, who is manifested from the body of she who is rays of light and is the support of the three worlds, that great goddess of all-pervading knowledge who destroyed self-conceit and other thoughts, I worship. Excuse me if the verb comes at the end of the, of the sentence, but it does. Now, I'm worshipping that great Mahasaraswati because self-conceit and self-deprecation took over my life. Everything I do, I say, oh, if only I hadn't. What a boo-boo. What a blunder. What a great mistake. I'll never get it right. I am not smart enough. I am not strong enough. I am not sufficiently capable. And that's why I am experiencing what I am experiencing. That was self-deprecation. And his brother was even more powerful. He said, wow, did you do a great job at that one. Look at me. Ah, I sure did dealt a severe blow that time. Uh, I scored a big time, one for the swam. <laughs> self-conceit and self-deprecation kept us thinking about ourselves. And that's where we got in trouble. We were always thinking about ourselves. Poor me. I'll never get it right. Or, wow, I sure did a good job. We just keep thinking about me. And I am the center of my universe. And I just can't think about anyone else because I'm so busy thinking about me. And so Saraswati gave us the knowledge to understand by what criteria do I want to put these 
two demons into harmony and balance. Cut them down, make them surrender, so I can think about thee. I want to think about all of you, rather than just little me. So that's the goddess of all-pervading knowledge. Om Eng Rim, I bow to the rosary of letters, I want to bow to my mala. And it says, oh, my rosary, the great measurement of consciousness. You see, if I'm doing job, I'm paying attention to you. So I'm not paying attention to all the other stuff that's going around the world right now. I'm not thinking about what's happening over there and what you're doing and what you're doing. I'm just thinking about my mantra, my mala, and my goddess. She has become the great measurement of consciousness. You are the great measurement of consciousness because I can't think of anything else. I'm busy. Containing all energy within as your intrinsic nature. I just gave you all the energy, all my attention. Now, where is all the energy of the universe? It's all within this mala. My perception made it so. Give to me the attainment of your perfection. Hey, you've got all the energy. You've got all my attention. You've got the great limitation of consciousness with you. You give to me the attainment of your perfection. You grant me Siddhi. You. I'm talking to you, Mr. Mala. Or is it Miss Mala? Mangmale. You please fulfill the four objectives of life. Dharma. Artha, Kam, Moksha. Dharma, the ideal of perfection. Artha, the resources necessary to the achievement of that ideal. Kam, the cessation, the fulfillment, the freedom from all other desires. Moksha, self-realization. Otherwise known as complete liberation. You give me that Chathur Bhargava. Dharma, Artha, Kam. Om Rosary, you please remove all obstacles. Huh? If I'm paying attention to you, are there any other obstacles? I am my only obstacle. Please remove all obstacles. Out, guy. <laughs> I've been kicked out of better places than this. You please remove all obstacles. I hold you in my right hand. Is that right? Yes, it is. I hold you in my right hand at the time of recitation. Be pleased with me. Allow me to attain the highest perfection. Please, Mala. You please allow me the highest perfection. Om Rosary of Rudraksha seeds. Now, Rudraksha, the eyes of Shiva, the eyes of Rudra. Rudra, Asru, Trayate is Rudra. He takes away the tears. Oh, he sees with the eyes of those who take away the tears. He just gives comfort with every glance, with every perception. There's just joy and comfort. There are no tears. My Lord, Give to me excellent attainment. Please, give to me. Give to me. Illuminate the meanings of all mantras. Illuminate, illuminate. Hey, I'm praying to you. Please listen to me. You can give me that illumination. Give, take, take my mind and take my heart and take my soul and put it with you right there in the mantra in the Japa land and put me in the mala and put the mala in me and, and illuminate, illuminate, fashion me with all excellent attainments. Fashion me, fashion me. I am one with God. <laughs> and now we'll say our mantra 108 times. Oneng ring kling chamundaki biche. I don't know that we need to record 108 times right now, but we could do it for the rest of our lives. I hate to waste your tape saying, And at the end of 108 times we say, Oh, Goddess, 
You are the protector of the most secret of mystical secrets. This is the most secret of mystical secrets. It's hidden inside. I gotta go inside in order to understand it. It's not out there. I've got to look deeply within in order to understand what is this secret. That's pretty secret. <laughs> That's well hidden. I mean, it would be easier to find it under a rock or under a mountain or under a slab of cement, but to go into my heart and find it, to go find the meaning deeply inside, you are the protector of the most secret of mystical secrets. Please accept the recitation that I have offered and grant to me the attainment of perfection. Om. Now we have one more meditation at the end. I meditate upon the three-eyed Durga. The three-eyed goddess Durga. Remember, Durga means obstacles, confusion, uh, it means that which uh, barriers. Yeah, that obstacle. Obstacle. Okay, we said that. Obstacles and, and confusions and barriers and limitations. Durga takes away the Durgam. The reliever of difficulties that we call her. The luster of her beautiful body is like lightning. She sits upon the shoulders of a lion and appears very fierce. Many maidens holding the double-edged sword and shield in their hands are standing at readiness to serve her. She holds in her hands the discus of revolving time, the club of the articulation of mantras, the double-edged sword cutting through all the nonsense. That's the sword of uh, wisdom, the sword of the discrimination, which gives you the criteria by which to discriminate what path is appropriate for me. With what intensity, with what energy can I give to what path? That will be the test of my discrimination. She has a shield of faith, she has an arrow of attention, she has a bow of sankalpa, which is the termination. She has a net which unites and she has the mudra connecting the thumb and the pointer finger with the other three fingers extended upwards, indicating the granting of wisdom. Her intrinsic nature is as fire and upon her head she wears the moon as a crown. Devotion is her ornament. Om. <laughs> and that is the, the system of worship with the nine-lettered mantra. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Let's pause here for a moment and see if there are any questions about the Navarnapiti, about Kamkala, about anything with, uh, uh, pertaining to the, uh, to the nine-lettered mantra. Yes, please. So why is aim the seed, cream the energy, and clean the pin? And further, why do, why do all the Vinayogas have seeds, energies, and pins? What does that mean? Uh, they all, every mantra, has a, a, a seed, which is its beach, its mool, mool bhavana. It, what are you establishing here? It has an energy that you are establishing, it has a seed that you are establishing, and uh, it, it has a pin by which you are binding these mantras to be effective for you. So the seed here is wisdom, guru, saraswati, Creation. Uh, the, the energy is shrim. It's the, the energy which pervades all of existence in the gross body, the subtle body, the causal body, and beyond. And the pin is clean, which binds all of this, protects all of this, so that you will use these mantras in moving inside and in coming, the cause of moving from the gross to the causal body in perfection. You move into, uh, into a state of union or communion inside. So now I've got a purpose for this. I've got a creation for it. I've got an energy for it. And I've got a context for it. 
And every mantra, when you get a diksha, you get a, you get a rishi, you get the chondo, you get the uh, uh, you you get the biniyoga, you get the history, you get the uh, the seed, the be the beej, uh, you get the shakti, the energy, and you get the kilakam, you get the pin. Even when we study the chandi, we get the beej and the energy and the the pin. And we get the rishis and the chandos and every uh, episode, the three episodes. So we're, we're, we, we are constantly reiterating this theme. So when you take a mantra, when a guru gives you diksha in a mantra, he gives you diksha with the rishis, the chondo, the, uh, the meaning, the meter, the method, the, the, the history, the story, how did this mantra manifest? What does it mean? How do you employ it? How did others employ it? What did they get when they did? Now, when you sit down and use that mantra, you are totally empowered to become the essence of that mantra, just like the rishis became. You know the history, you know how they sat, how did they breathe, how did they recite, with what energy did they recite, with what intensity did they employ these mantras. Now you are empowered to use that mantra. That's called diksha. It means the giving over of the complete energy on the gross level, the subtle the level, and the causal. Oh, that's why it has a, a, a bij and a shakti and a kirikam. Yes, please. I have a follow-up question to that. The rishi of the mantra, the rishis of the mantra are Brahma, Vishnu, and Rudra. Yes. But is there a story about how people like us got the mantra? Because someone had to get it from them, right? Absolutely. I got it from Srima. <laughs> and she got it from Ramakrishna. Ramakrishna got it from Totapuri. And we can go back in our lineage, all the way back to Mark and Dale, who got it from Shiva. Uh, in fact, uh, we, have, we are about to tell a story of all the, or many of the gurus who added pieces to the puzzle of what we became, uh, how we became what we became. So uh, we've taken excerpts from their teachings, and we're going to post that on our website. Yes, please. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste, Ambika. I was once taught that we do not sit with our feet pointing at the guru or any teacher unless our feet are covered by a blanket or shawl. Why is this the case, and why is it okay to point them at Shiva? Oh, Ambika, actually it's not okay to point them at Shiva. We don't want to even point them covered by a shawl. The reason is that uh, blessings move with the flow of gravity. So that I want to put the highest part of me at the lowest part of she and hope that the blessings flow down. They rarely flow up. <laughs> so knowing that very well, I don't want to point my feet towards someone who I respect because that's saying the lowest part of me is going towards you. I want the highest part of me going towards the lowest part of you. And that will be the, signal, uh, the example of my respect to you. Now, the story about the sadhu whose feet were pointed towards Shiva, he was a very evolved being, and he saw Shiva in every direction. So he said to the Pujari, show me where Shiva is not, and that's where I'll put, point my feet. Of course, the Pujari, if he believed in Shiva, could not show where Shiva doesn't reside. Because Shiva is everywhere. <laughs> but for lowly beings like us, it behooves us not to point our feet at anyone we want to show respect to. Even if you cover it with a shawl. We have another yes, question. Yes, yes Nanda. Nanda. Samji, I have a question regarding the, you know, the secret of mystical secrets. Yes. What is the secret of mystical secrets? Well, no one can say to you. The secret of the secret of the most my, the, the mystical secrets is something that you have to discover yourself. No one can possibly utter it. It's niti niti. I can tell you what we are trying to do in order to reach that realization, but we can't tell you what the secret is. The secret is your realization. 
And the way you realize it, that will be your understanding of the secret. <laughs> now, you will never be able to impart that secret to another. But you'll be able to tell them what you did in order to realize it for yourself. If you know the goal and you know the way to get to the goal, then what is the secret of the goal? <laughs> Don't argue with me! <laughs> You're not going to make me define the most the intimate uh, understanding which is beyond the mind. Mm -hmm. I have no word for it. Do you have a word for it? Well, go ahead and reach for it. And when you reach and reach and reach, and one day you will discover the secret most mystical of all the secrets, and then you'll see if you can define it for anyone else. Or maybe, possibly, you'll just tell them, what did you do to get to that understanding? And that'll be sufficient. Yes, please. With regards to <clears throat> the kilakum, yes. we also have the kilakum in the chandi. Yes. And it says you unfasten the, the pin by giving the most. Yes. How is that related to the Vinayoga kilakums? Well, it's the same thing. You, you, it, this, this is the cause. The claim is the cause. Ka is the current the cause. Allah is manifested existence. E is the causal body. Per, and the swar is perfection. So the cause uh, uh, re, that that inspires manifested existence to come into the causal body, to return to the causal body. Remember in chapter 10, uh, Shumba, the, the, the self-conceit, said to the goddess, you fight by the strength of others. And goddess replied, I'm the only one here in this world. See how all the other manifestations of me return to me. Clean. The cause which takes all the manifested existence into the causal body in perfection, then there's no duality. Yes, please. We have a question from Usha. Namaste, Ushama. Are there particular temples or occasions where the Devi Gita is chanted? There are particular occasions, it says in the second chapter and in the tenth chapter, to recite this during the time of memorial ceremonies. So at every time there's a shrad, at any time there's a tarpan, or uh, at various uh, other celebrations, it says uh, you can do it during Navaratri. You can do it any time. I think it's a fabulous scripture just to chant. Uh, it said also that you could recite the names of the goddesses and the names of the tirthas and the names of the pilgrimage places at any time. So it, it, there are times. Now, special temples, uh, there's the Devi Mandir in Napa, uh, where it is highly regarded. Devi Gita is really an excerpt from the Srimad Devi Bhagavatam. Just as the Bhagavad Gita, which we are hoping to study next, uh, is an excerpt from the Mahabharata. So there are many, many times where you'll sit down and recite the entire Devi Bhagavatam. Uh, you can do it in seven days, you can do it in nine days, you can do it in five days. Uh, it's a really an exciting performance, and you would do it uh, in. You could do it anywhere. Uh, remember, we had in the in the Guru Gita. It said in a goshala at the foot of a banyan tree, in a, a, a stable for cows, on uh, a riverbank, uh, in any goddess temple, in uh, uh, any appropriate place. You're looking at the orb of the sun. Uh, you can recite it looking at the moon. Uh, you can bask in moonshine and sing the Devi Gita. It's wonderful practice. Uh, there are no limitations. Now, are there specific temples where this is recited regularly? No. No. It is uh, the practice of a special our sampradaya of sadhus who are Devi worshippers, who are enamored of the trilogy of the Chandi, the Cosmic Puja, and the Devi Gita. And those people who perform the Cosmic Puja, 
regularly are getting less and less and less. In fact, you might have to come to Napa in order to meet some of them. Uh, there are other temples where people go and they throw their flowers all around <laughs> and say, I'm doing puja from bhakti. Which, that's very nice, but it's more important to do puja from jnana and bhakti united in harmony, which is what our text tells us. So, actually, I don't know of many temples where this is practiced regularly. I do know that we have practiced it in many temples, but it was a special performance to the temple, and it was really enjoyable to us. Yes, please. Swamiji, in uh, any of the vidis, how is it, how come we don't have reference to nyasa in the chakras, in the seven chakras, eight chakras of the body? Uh, there, most of the nyasas are in the six chakras. Uh, they call them charanga nyas, uh, the six limbs of the body. So these are not, they don't readily or widely worship uh, the son chakra and the rodini chakra. Uh, these are specialized uh, groups of knowledge uh, which come at a later time. Yes, please. We have a question from Ramya. Namaste, Rami, Mommy. In the Chandi, in the first episode, in the first episode we end with Aim Om. In the third episode, with Kleem Om. Is Aim not associated with Saraswati and Kleem with Kali? Yes, it's true. But uh, we, we have Aim, Reem, Kleem. The middle episode, we end, end with Hrim. So it starts with uh, Mahakali, who does the dissolution, and Mahasaraswati, who does the creation. So by the time you get the dissolution of too much and too little, you get the next creation, so that Mahalakshmi can become the goal and the circumstance of that creation. Uh, and then in the third episode, we get Ma Ma uh, Mahasaraswati. We become illuminated with the knowledge which puts self-conceit and self-deprecation uh, into the balance, into the harmony. She cuts them down, and then all that's left is the self. And that is clean. Oh. The cause of manifested existence, returning to the causal body in perfection. Clean. Yes, please. When we decide to do a bigger sankalpa, like doing the whole Devi Bhagavatam or something like that, d did you still do Cosmic Puja and Chandi when you did that, or did you just exclusively do Devi Bhagavatam at that time? Depends on the sankalpa. I personally did the Cosmic Puja and then uh, the uh, uh, Devi Bhagavatam. Uh, I, you would do probably. Uh, between 2,000 and 2,500 verses a day of Devi Bhagavatam. Uh, it's 18,000 verses. You can finish it in seven days. Uh, if you do a three-hour puja and a, a, a seven-hour pot, uh, that gives you a pretty full day. And then at the end of the, the, uh, the uh, a recitation, I would do a Chandi Samput, Yagya. So that would be a full uh, uh, Naratri. Uh, so that was how we designed those sankalpas. You are empowered to design the sankalpa according to your design. So you'll tell me how long you can sit, how long is your asan, how long do you have the temple for, how long, how many supplies do you have, how much wood do you have, how much ghee do you have, how much prasad do you have, how many days will you like to make the sankalpa, and then you'll decide how many hours a day will you do what sankalpa. It's all the user's choice. There is no one to legislate it for you. You could ask your guru how to do it, uh, and he would probably say start small and build and build and build. But most people get greedy and they said, I'm going to go for the big one. <laughs> I want the whole enchilada. And then they kind of stub their toe and fall on their faces and say, oh, gee, well, maybe I better start small and build and build and build. So, yes, it's very, very possible to, to, to build and build and build. And then you'll understand what is your capacity and what would be the appropriate sankalpa for you. If you start and say, I'm going to do a 10-hour chandipat, I think you'll have problems. But if you say, I'm going to do a five-hour chandipat, and then uh, if I could do that for uh, a month, then maybe next month I'll do a five-and-a-half-hour chandipat. 
And maybe a six-hour Chandipat, maybe a seven-hour Chandipat, and then I could do the cosmic puja and a seven-hour Chandipat, and then maybe I can build it a little more and build it a little more until there's nothing left Chandipat is a borrow or Ramayana borrow? Uh, Devi, uh, Ramayana is big from Devi Gita, big. but yeah, it, uh, Ramayana is much longer than Devi Gita is, but Devi Bhagavatam is longer than Ramayana. So it, 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 you can do you can do Ramayana in three days and mm -hmm. two and a half days if you like, uh, but you can do uh, Devi Gita in five days. That would be about the fastest you. Yeah, can. you did you did seven days in Bangladesh. Yeah, but we did puja too. You did. Yeah, we did puja and then we did pot. Mm -hmm. So we did everyday puja and then we did pot uh, and then uh, we finished with the Chandi Yagya. Yes, please. We have a question from Kyle. Namaste, Kyle. Namaste, Samantha. Namaste, Sriman Swamiji. What are the benefits of being initiated into a mantra by a qualified guru? How does it work? Thank you. Uh, there are many, many benefits. But the initiation is sort of similar to a marriage ceremony. Now first you find your prospective spouse and then you have a little bit of romance and then you have a little bit of understanding of what it is that our common goal will be and then you say, let's get married. In the same way, uh, we say first comes siksha. Siksha means learning. Just what we're doing right now. You plow the field, you cultivate the, the field, and then you plant the seeds. And then comes, after siksha comes diksha, which is you plant the seed completely. You cover it up, you put some manure, you put some water, you go out and tend the vine. I surrender to the master gardener. I become a little plant in mother's garden. And that is when I accept diksha. So when, not, not just, uh, I, that's my guru, but I am her disciple. That's the bhavana, uh, Kyle. I, that's the feeling. It's not about gurus making disciples at all. Disciples make the guru. They make the guru by becoming a shish. And in Sanskrit, shisha means mirror. And when you look at the mirror, you see the reflection of the guru. So it's not for gurus to give initiation. It's for disciples to make themselves ready to receive initiation. It isn't that a disciple goes to the guru and says, me, give me initiation. It's the disciple makes himself or herself into the perfect reflection of the attitudes of the guru. The same intensity, the same dedication, the same commitment, the same purity, the same clarity, the same understanding, doing the same puja to the same deities in the same way with the same mantras, and pretty soon they become the same. And then the diksha takes place. Then you have a marriage ceremony. But if you go to the guru and, oh, I've had so many, I mean, every, every week I get uh, uh, an email saying, I took diksha from this guru and that guru and the other guru, and now I'd like to come and, and take diksha from Srimha. If you have so much diksha, you should be giving me diksha. What do you need with my mantra? Uh, what nonsense! You don't take diksha like uh, like you're going through the mall and you take a little this store and that store and, and, and you take things off the shelf and, you, and it's not an acquisition. It's not some uh, something you collect. Uh, it's not a material thing. It's a love affair. I mean, when I'm so much in love with what I'm doing and with whom I'm doing it, and I just 
naturally gravitate towards the expression of that love and it's such a privilege to be able to pro proclaim my love through every action I perform. Then I'm ready for diction. That's the meaning of diksha. It's the, the complete deliverance of the intuitive understanding of the essence of our love affair. That's diksha. The rest, I'm just collecting mantras. Okay, here's a book. Here's 700 verses. How many mantras in there? Take the book. But take the diksha means you're taking the privilege to manifest that type of behavior, that, that intensity of behavior, that bhavana of behavior, that philosophy to make it manifest through your actions. It's a privilege to serve your family, your mother, your, your wife, your community, your, your guru. It's a privilege. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste.